Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Journey Through Sonship podcast. I am Calvin Calhoun Jr. As you can see, we are taping this here in beautiful St. Thomas, United States, Virgin Islands. And so we're talking today about the structure of God's house, the structure of God's house. Um, let's get right into understanding this because when we talked about in our previous messages, we talked about the precision the accuracy, the strategicness, the, the preciseness of how God wanted his, the physical temple built. And we know that the physical temple is also a picture of the body of Christ. Uh, but the precision, how the priest should act, what the priest should wear, uh, the, the, um, the garment, what it's made of, um, how the furniture should be made. Should it be made of wood? Should it be made of pure gold? Should it be wood overlaid with gold? We talked about all these things. And that's the preciseness that God wanted the children of Israel to be as pertained to building the physical temple. Okay, the physical temple. Well, we know that God does not dwell in temples made by the hands of man. And we said that God's house or the house of God is the family of God. So let's go back to the beginning really quickly, not to even dwell at the beginning for a long time. But um, we know that when God created man, he said, let us make man after our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion. The corporate man, the corporate man um, is called to have dominion. This is a man in the image and likeness of God. And, and he called Adam this. He said, and Adam was a son of God. That's over in the genealogies located in Matthew. And so Adam was a son of God. So when God created man, he created him with the intent to be his son, to be his offspring. So the, simple, the structure, we're right here at the beginning of this. So we're not even deep, but we're just going to part of it. The, the, the immediate structure, the structure, or even the wineskin of the house of God is father, son. Father and Son. God always wanted to be Father, known as Father to man, and man to be known as his sons. Okay? So that's why Adam was a son. And so the target of the enemy in the garden was to sever the relationship between God and man as Father and Son. That was his target. And it continues to be his target even today. And so when we talk about um, God keeping the picture of Father and Son, how are people supposed to see this relationship between God and man as Father and Son? Presentation of an eternal reality, okay? So what God does, he puts an earthly representation of that relationship in the earth, okay? And we're going to start off with Abraham. Okay, let's start with Abraham. God made a covenant with Abraham in Genesis chapter 17, and it reads this in Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. It says, and when Abram was 99, 90 years old, I always mess this scripture up. I don't know why. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. That's the first title he gives Abraham. 
Neither shall thy name be any more called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. So here he goes. He's setting this thing up. I'm making you a father over many nations. He says, and I will make thee exceedingly fruitful and will make nations of thee. Kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession I will be their God alright so what's the covenant the covenant is very simple he made Abraham he made Abraham to be a multiply you and I will make you a great nation did he make many nations and kings after Abraham yes he did not only did the nation of Israel come out of Abraham but we know Ishmael became a mighty nation and so it says this and it says but but the key thing here is in verse number seven and sometimes we read scriptures and I'm telling you I'm guilty of it too but when God slows it down for you you start asking the right questions he says and I will establish my covenant between me and thee and watch this and thy seed notice he did not say seeds multiple he says as in one seed, okay, after thee and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed, one seed, after thee. Seed that's spoken here is Christ. It's Christ. And it says God shall be a God to the people after thy seed, which is Christ. And so, Christ, the son of the living God. So, God is going to get what he always wants. He always wanted a son in his image and likeness. That is what Jesus came to do. He came to reconcile us back to God as sons. That's what the whole parable of the prodigal son was all about. It's the, 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 a son that left his father's house. And then when he came to the realization of how he was living and where he was living, that he, he just was living in muck and the mire and realizing he had wasted everything. He wanted to come back to his father's house, but he wanted to be a slave in his father's house. I mean, look, protection, that's all I really want. But the father did not accept him in that mentality. The father says, no, my son who is lost and now found. He is home again. Kill the fat calf. Get the robe. Get the ring. Get the shoes. And guess what happened? Let's celebrate him because my son who is lost is now found. So this is why it's all about the son. It's all about the son. And so this is why when we talk about the structure of God's house, he says you cannot put new wine in an old wine skin. And the old wine skin is the Judaic or the religious order. That is the old wine skin. The new wine, which goes into a new wine skin, represents the order and the structure of father and son. Okay, You cannot put the new wine that's for father-son 
in the old wineskin. And that's what many have done in the church. They've tried to apply the father-son concept in a religious order. And it says if you do that, everything is just going to break apart. Everything's going to go haywire. Everything's going to burst asunder. But guess what happens, y'all? You got to have new wine in the new wineskin because the new wineskin supports what? The new wine. And so a structure must be father-son. And the culture that must exist within a local church must support the culture of father-son. That is the structure of God's house. And it's built off what? The rock, who is the chief cornerstone. And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and the scriptures also say, Peter will also say that Christ is the chief cornerstone. Okay, he's, he, he, the house starts with him. It's built off of him. Thou being the son of God. And every son that's born again is like that cornerstone. They must be hewn out. They must be fitted for the Father's purposes. For by one spirit you're baptized into one body. For in Christ we live and move and have our being. We don't know what we shall be like, but we know we shall be like him. We are all sons that Jesus is not afraid to call us brethren. And so I wanted to share with you to get this because there's no way I can really cover the full structure of God's house in this one message. But I wanted to get you going in the right direction that you are a son. When you were born again and saved, Jesus did not save you to be a, a religious Christian. He saved you to be a lay person. He did not save you to be a member. The greatest name and the, the, the identity that God has called you is to be son. Let me say it again to you. The identity that God has given you, not me, not Calvin, no. The identity that God has given you is to be son. Embrace that identity. Because it is in that identity that the enemy will attack. And we know that because when Jesus was, came out of the baptism, the Father declares, this is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. And the Spirit led him into the wilderness. And who came? The devil came and tempted him. And the devil's questioning was, if thou be the Son of God. And so the question to you, if you be a Son of God, the enemy will test you in your identity. If he knows you don't know, you're no threat because you'll try to be you'll try to be legalistic in your thinking and we know we have a lot of people who try to be legalistic with this book and the, it's not the, the the relationship is not in this book the relationship is with the author and the one who inspired the words of the book the relationship is with holy spirit the relationship is with christ the relationship is with the father if you see me, you've seen the Father. For I only do what I see my Father do. The Bible, the scriptures, are for what? Instruction. Reproof, rebuking. It's to help give us a testimony of the journey of the Son of God. The corporate man, the corporate body of Christ. From the beginning to the end. From eternity to eternity. And so this is what the structure of God's house is it the, the framework of it is father son 
religion has overcomplicated this. It's why you have all these different types of sects and denominations and institutions and sects of religion, and everybody does their own thing. But at the heart of the scriptures, it says that the fivefold ministry is supposed to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to uh, for the perfecting of the of the saints, till we all come in the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, until the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, who is Son. So may God bless you. Till we meet again on the Journey Through Sonship podcast.